And welcome back to Coaching with the Bible. This is episode 104, season 2, episode 50. Our portion of the week is known as Kitetse, and our topic of the week is temptation and bad behavior. This is a subject that I have on some level avoided for nearly two years thinking about and wondering about concepts of bad behaviors, uh, negative behaviors in, in a more particular way, and overall the idea of temptation and one might call inclination towards things that are not good, behaviors that are not good. So we're going to focus in really on the idea of bad behavior and thinking about why that is and what we can do about it I think more than anything else. Because we all know that temptation, temptation is uh, everywhere and temptation is in all things. And we all have the things that tempt us. And as I saw one great quote, which is, opportunity may knock only once, but temptation leans on the doorbell. The idea that temptation is always and forever there. And so we have to think about temptation and bad behaviors and why it is that we lean in on them, why it is that we give in to them, why it is that we are not in better control of our circumstances and our situations and our actions. The reality is that we're not always. And so part of the reason why is that probably in some cases with respect to certain actions, certain behaviors, we don't really want to avoid the temptation. We want to give in sometimes to certain things. Let's say it's, for the sake of the moment, some food that we know is really, really bad for us. For the most part, we avoid it. But we don't avoid it like to the degree by which, you know, we eliminate it from our world entirely. And so on occasion, we'll indulge and we'll We'll, you know, dive into that chocolate cake or whatever that thing may be for you. But temptation is there. It's always there. It's a lifelong internal inner war that a person is, is fighting. And so it's important to sort of understand what that battle is. I'm not going to get all the way through it to the end of it, I don't think, and certainly not in 20 minutes or even less than 20 minutes. But what perhaps more we can do with those, what we feel for ourselves are negative or bad behaviors, things that we're tempted to do that we know that we shouldn't. So the Bible this week, at the outset of the portion, actually going back into last week's as well, really defines the idea of going to war. And on one level, and on the obvious level, on the plain, most plain sense of the text, the text is talking about when a person goes out to war, X and Y and Z. This is how you go to war. In particular, the case of the Bible here at the beginning is discussing a case where you go to war and among the captives is a beautiful woman. And what is to, what does one do in such a circumstance? It's a it's a very 
interesting and different and somewhat, I think, odd set of verses and texts and rules. And the understanding in the commentaries is the idea that God and the Bible are appreciating and understanding on some level that in those moments, in a moment of battle, where there's a lot of emotion and there's a lot of there's a lot going on that a person is tempted and a person might make a mistake. And so the Bible seems to give a person a pass to some degree with respect to that circumstance with that new woman, with that young woman, and allowing that relationship to persist and to happen. Not without consequence. It does have consequences. But it's an interesting thing, like to sort of allow for the inclination what we call in Hebrew the Yetzer Hara, the evil inclination, or person's lesser side, right, to win out, to me is fascinating. But on a deeper level, what the Bible is talking about and what a lot of the subsequent commentaries are discussing is that these texts have nothing to do with an actual war. But they have to do with the inner war the inner battle, the personal battle that a person is fighting on a day-to-day basis with themselves. And it operates on really three levels. The the rabbi of Slonim, who we mentioned multiple times, who wrote the book, Netivot Shalom, which is just an incredible set of books, discusses, and he's not alone in discussing this, the idea that in the three sections where the Bible there talks about war, it's talking about three different wars, but they're all talking about the same overall war, which is the person's war with themselves. And so there's the war against the things that are prohibited for us, the, 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 the idea that we're battling against the things that we're not allowed to do. So let's say it's, again, let's take food as an example. There's certain foods that are prohibited, right? In the Jewish community, a person is not allowed to eat things that are not kosher. And so let's take that as an example. Let's say a person has a battle that they, that they for some reason, have this need um, for these things. So there's prohibited behaviors. So there's our, our, our fight against things that are prohibited. Another level is the battle that we're facing against things that are really out of our control. So things that are bigger than us, things that are happening to the wider world around us. And sort of how do we handle those circumstances? What do we do with that kind of situation? Then the third one, which is really the one we want to focus in on, is not the things that are prohibited to us, not things that are out of our control, but it's in the space of the things that are permitted to us, right? In a war where things are permitted to us, we're still doing battle. So the food thing isn't so much about the foods that are prohibited to us, but rather the foods that are bad for us, the foods that actually don't lend themselves towards a healthy lifestyle, other behaviors that don't lend themselves to being you know, to promoting a life, uh, a, a long a longevity in many years of life. So that could be drinking excessively. That could be eating, you know, certain kinds of foods that are just destroying your arteries and killing you. Um, other destructive behaviors that a person can participate in, which in the moment don't seem terrible, but over the course of the long haul, in fact, are. And we see it, and we know it, and we experience it ourselves, and we see it in other people as well. We see it in society writ large. When we think about all these different things, and take, for, take smoking, for example, right? So smoking, 
for a long time was fashionable and it was culture and everybody did it. And maybe the research early on wasn't such that it said that it was going to kill you. But even now, when people know that smoking you know, increases the likelihood of certain cancers and increases the likelihood of heart disease and lung disease and all kinds of other diseases, yet you see all kinds of people starting to smoke, continuing to smoke, and being smoking, even though they know intellectually that it's going to kill them potentially. So like one smoke, no big deal, right? Maybe. Um, or one, you know, chocolate co- you know, chocolate chip cookie, not the end of the world, one glass of wine. But they all fall into this space of temptation and temptations of things that are permitted as opposed to things that are not permitted. And so we have to think about, like, what do we do with that? Why is it that we're okay with certain behaviors and we, you know, we don't have you know, any issue with them, and we're not able to stop them separate level, but we have this bad habits, bad behaviors. And so a lot of the reason probably is we have this idea mentioned earlier that maybe we don't exactly want to get the temptation completely removed from us. We like it a little bit, and we like the risk, or we like the danger of it, or, you know, whatever that is. And so we have this sense of basic defiance about it. And so we like to put up that war. The other reasons that come up with respect to people and their behaviors is that there's a social acceptance. So things, these things, you know, a glass of wine here, uh, you know, a shot of whiskey there, a beer, so totally socially acceptable and normal. And therefore, like, why wouldn't it be socially acceptable and normal for me? With children, they're modeling behavior. So they're seeing it being socially acceptable with their parents and their parent groups and the adult populations, and so they're simply modeling the behavior that they think is cool, and so they go about it. Could be that also that we just don't exactly understand or fully appreciate the risk. So we don't exactly get the science of it sometimes. So we don't appreciate that, like that one piece of cake or that one steak, you know, if we're a cholesterol problem or we're, you have a weight problem, whatever it is, like, okay, we don't exactly sort of drill down all the way in the numbers. So we don't fully get the nature and the extent of the risk. There's a lot of reasons why we're okay with certain behaviors. And so we have to sort of think about for ourselves, what do we want to do about it? Irrespective of what we think about um, you know, other people and their actions is with respect to our own selves. What do we want to do about these things? And why do we repeat them on a consistent basis? A great article I read about, um, about bad behavior and um, why mistakes are often repeated and why we repeat them was quoted a, a review of a, a, a restaurant review by a person who had gone to a restaurant a second time and in their review wrote that they hated the restaurant the first time and they hated the restaurant the second time. The amazing thing is that they went back even though they actually hated it the first time. It's like, why would you repeat such a behavior? Why would you do something that you know and you've experienced as bad and negative and horrible and you can't, like, it doesn't make any sense that the, 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 The mind should have forced you, pushed you not to do that, and yet we do it. And we do it all the time. And so we sort of have to think this all the way through. 
And so what we have to do is not just sit and ruminate. And I talked about rumination before and not just simply self-reflect, which I think is important and talked about that last year and have be sort of more aware about everything. It needs a more of a proactive approach towards changing the behaviors. And it's not simply just the removing of the bad, but it's actually an inserting of the good in its place. So breaking a bad habit by and for itself is amazing. Breaking a negative behavior is amazing, but it's more easily done when it's replaced. And so taking out the bad behavior, adding in a new behavior, right? And so we want to think about all these different things about how we go about uh, doing it. So let's take an example from our own lives. Let's say we, uh, we fidget with our phones. We're always excessively checking social media. So innately, in and of itself, the behavior of checking social media, let's say, not the biggest deal. But checking it every few minutes or checking it multiple times in the course of the day as if things are going to change over and over and over again, probably something deeper. There's some sort of something going on in that behavior, that fidget, that addiction. Someone actually said that that the idea of checking your phone has replaced smoking. I don't think it's replaced smoking, but it's akin on some level probably to it with respect to the why uh, of it or what comes up for the person when they think about that. And that's probably the better question to ask. Not why. Why is hard. But what happens? What, what's coming up for you when you're engaged and involved in, in that action? Or the person who um, sort of has like that, you know, ghost sense or that sort of, um, you know, the idea that their phone is buzzing in their pocket and there's no phone in their pocket, you know, they get to that point. And so there's like that. And so we have to sort of appreciate what's going on in here and the idea that I can't stop in those situations. And I have this with work. It's not, I'm not, I'm no therapist, certainly not, but in coaching people around fundraising, there's a lot of interesting things that go on in that space because really people hate it. Um, they don't want to be fundraising or they're not in these jobs or in these roles to ask people for money. And the last thing they want to do is ask people for money. They'll come up with every reason not to indulge in that action and they'll do millions, millions of other things. And a lot of it has to do with sort of not judging it, but appreciating it. Like what's happening? What's coming up for you in the, like when the thought or the thought comes up that you have to now call somebody and ask them for a donation. Like what's, what's happening? And so the person starts to describe, and this is how we get into the practice of it, of how we start to break the bad habits or we start to change the bad habits, right? As first is that we talked about this many times is noticing what's going on when it's happening. So, What's bringing on that behavior? What's happening when that behavior takes place? What happens after? So it's a three-step process of noticing, paying attention to, acknowledging. And as I mentioned many times before, like the, poor, the, the person who is the voice on Calm, the app, the meditation app, noticing without judgment. Notice what's happening without judging what's happening. Don't judge yourself negatively in those moments. Just to notice what is actually happening. Pay attention to it. If you want to write it down also afterward as sort of an exercise in appreciating that entire process beginning to end, then do that. Why am I now checking my phone for the 10th time 
in the last two hours. What's bringing that on? What's happening when I'm doing it? How do I feel when it's over? Powerful, powerful business. The next thing then is obviously acknowledging that there's something wrong here, but is now setting an intention first, an intention towards changing the behavior, and then setting the reasonable first goal. So that first goal could be setting up a blocker to that behavior, although that may not solve it. That first goal might be setting up a reduction in the action. That's nice. I'm not sure that solves it either. But perhaps the better way is the replacement. What else can I do in that moment that gets me through that urge, what they call a lot of places surfing the urge? What gets me through the next few minutes without actually having to do it? So here's an example. Um, person, you know, stressful life, stressful work, they come home. The first thing they do when they come home is they, op- they, open up their f- they open up a bottle of wine, they have a drink of wine. They have a glass of wine. And it's a second glass and third glass, whatever. And so they sort of, you know, again, what's the biggest deal? But when you think about it, you break it down, you can think about going through those steps. It's a long day, you're getting home, your willpower is at its, at its edge you don't have the, the energy to fight the temptation or whatever it is. So how are you going to win that battle in that moment? Again, not a bad thing, but something that you want to change. Some behavior of yours, uniquely you, that you want to change. So how do you win that battle? So the begins to, you begin to win the battle before the actual battle starts to place. So you're in the driveway. You take two minutes in the driveway. You take deep breaths. You listen to a song on the way home or some playlist that gets you into a more relaxed mode. You come into the home. Maybe you move the wine to a different and deeper location into the home. Or you replace it with something else that maybe gets you through the urge. Maybe that's, I don't know, it's um, a club soda that you also have to pop a cork on, right? So you you get that hit of the experience, but you don't actually, you know, imbibe and take part in the alcohol of it, whatever it is. Instead, a reasonable goal is maybe that changing of the behavior. Maybe it's simply doing less of it. So it's not suddenly that you're going to run 10 miles tomorrow. That's insane. But it's that, okay, tomorrow I'm going to put the gym shoes on, the, the sneakers on, and the outfit on, and I'm going to go do five minutes. Um, tomorrow I'm going to you know, I want to go to sleep earlier, and so I'm going to get into bed earlier. I may not actually go to sleep earlier, but I'm going to move my my whole realm of behavior up an hour so I'm in bed earlier, even if I don't actually go to sleep. Behavior. So you know, what you're doing is just setting yourself up for success. It's really important to appreciate that in these things, that failure is very close, and the reeling back into the behavior that's negative is also extremely close. And so we have to set ourselves up for success. So first is, again, not, uh, being a, paying attention to, being aware of, and noticing the behavior for what it is, being okay with ourselves even though that behavior still exists around us, and now sort of one step at a time taking an approach towards building towards a more positive. And what happens on the other side of that is, again, not just removing the bad behavior, which I think is great, but also adding in some other behavior, which is also great. The reason why that's important is 
that from the mental side of it, and this is the science of it, and again, I'm no scientist, but reading about a lot of this, is creating new neural pathways for positive behavior and good behavior and allowing for the uh, neural pathways of the negative behavior to sort of go away helps you over the long term become much better at it. And so as you build slowly, and then as James Clear talks a lot about, and we should talk about it more in Atomic Habits, about stacking these good behaviors one on top of another, moves you further and further away from the negative behavior. So what we've sort of established here is that temptation and bad behavior are things that we're always going to be valid. It'll never uh, it'll never not exist, no matter who we are, how special we are, how amazing we are, that's always going to be part of our lives. It's simply going to change as we grow older. The behaviors, the actions, the temptations will simply change. Some will go away, some will persist, uh, some will pop up that we didn't know existed before. Then it's a question of us taking, the, the, taking it to the battle, as the Bible sort of describes it, when you go to war. Don't simply let it come to you, but one has to go to battle with it. One has to take it on. And one has to take it on with support. So if you look at the third listing there, the Bible talks about it in the sense that you're going to war, but you're going to war not alone. You're not alone by yourself person in this battle. Having associations, having connections, having people supporting you, complimenting you, propping you up for the good behavior also helps. And so when you're setting your path and you're setting your new intention, you're setting the neural pathways, you're setting the behavior, the positive behavior, you're reducing the actions on the negative side by replacement after acknowledging, accepting, understanding, appreciating the triggers, and now flipping it over into something else. Obviously, it helps to have the support system that's with you. And so what you then end up being finding yourself in a situation is that you've taken on the battle against that one temptation, that one negative behavior. You cannot take them all on at a time. It's simply not possible. One at a time. Build confidence, grow success, and then take on the next one. And work it all the way through. And then when it's sort of happening, while it's happening, acknowledge how good it feels to have taken that on, quote-unquote defeated it, at least for now, putting yourself in a better position, the benefits that are now accruing to you by virtue of the fact of changing that behavior, this is how we work through it. So those temptations exist. They're not going away. We have battles to fight, work to do, and we take it one step at a time, one bite at a time, one behavior, one habit at a time, and we continue to build over time. We know it's an up and down, an uphill battle. We know that we're going to dip and we're going to fall and we're going to slip. That's why we have the support system. And ultimately, ultimately, we find ourselves far better over the long term for the behavior that we're changing one step at a time today. That is Coaching with the Bible for this week. Look forward to seeing you next week.